Hello, welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kurt Klingerman, your host. This is episode six of season five. The title of this episode is simply, Why? Why? And we're going to get into why here in just a moment. But last week I mentioned that we were going to start jumping into Christianity 101 as per Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, which lay out some of the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ. And we're going to start doing a deep dive in those two chapters just to kind of get a deeper understanding on some of the terminology that's laid out there. And this, I think, will be really great for those especially that may have just come into the faith that just recently accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And by the way, for those of you that just did that, welcome to the family. Congratulations. We're, I rejoice with you. I'm, that's so awesome. So glad to have you as a brother or a sister. Um, and of course, you know, it's always good to review the basics, you know, to keep our foundation firm and strong because you know, it's the foundations, it's the basics of a, that make a good firm foundation. And, it's, and that's what's required when things get difficult, when they get rough. If anyone tells you that being a disciple of Jesus is easy, they weren't telling you the full truth. I mean, it's the best thing, yes, but it's not necessarily the easiest. But it is the most rewarding of all things, is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to say the least. So, anyway... If you want to jump on it, we'll be jumping in a little bit towards the tail end of this episode so we can kind of see what some of the terminology is. Not going to necessarily bring definition to it or any of it, but just to show you where we're going. So back to this why question. You know, people ask God why all the time. Sometimes they're angry and they'll ask why. Or maybe they're fearful, they feel afraid, or they're desperate. Then, of course, you got some that will ask simply for the, for the sake of clarity. They just need some understanding. They just need, need some direction. And that's good. But what would happen if we were to reverse that question? What if we were to ask ourselves some of these questions? And I'm not going to lie. This could get a little bit rough. But that being said, understand that there's no judgment attached to this question or the questions that are about to be asked. There's no shame or guilt, none of the above. It's just meant to be some things to think about in, in, in how we relate to God and the, and the way we look at things. You know, it, it can be eye-opening when we start to ask ourselves questions. And I don't mean second-guessing ourselves and things like that. But when we begin to ask questions, sometimes we find out things about ourselves what, that we didn't see before. So, you know, you know those questions, you know, like, why? Why did you do that? Why are you doing that? Why did you ask? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you obey? And, and so on. You get the point. In Romans 10, verse 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The first why question is, why did you call on the name of the Lord? Now, was this an act of self-preservation, or were you looking for a relationship? You know, self-preservation meaning like, I didn't want to go to hell, or I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire, and so on, right? And of course, let's be honest, everyone on the planet is born with a Jesus-sized void in their life, and unless they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, 
they're never going to have that void filled. You've got people, and a lot of you have heard this before, a lot of people try to fill that, fill that void through various means. Sometimes it's uh, accolades, sometimes it's scholastic things, maybe it's building a business, maybe it's climbing up a company ladder, maybe it's drugs, alcohol, whatever. You know, a lot of things people try to do to fill a void that only God can fill. So unless Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're going to find an empty spot in your life until you do. But anyway, that being asked, from what were you saved? Or maybe to what are you being saved? Or were you saved? So we'll touch on that real brief because it's kind of Christianity 101 type of stuff, right? Romans 5 verse 8 and 9 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that why, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So there's one of the answers, of course, is that we are saved from the wrath to come through Jesus Christ, right? That's Now, that being said, we'll see something that, we'll read something that Peter said back in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And this is what Peter said. It said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. So, why did you repent and why were you baptized? Yeah. And yes, we just read, you know, for the remission of sins and to receive the gift of Holy Spirit. But was that repentance for your sake or was it for his sake? And let's be fair and to be fair, okay? When we first come to God, we aren't exactly spiritually discerned, okay? You know, I know for some of us, we thought before coming to Jesus Christ, we believed to be believed ourselves to be spiritual people. And a lot of people think they're spiritual and they're not. And that might sound a little rough, but the reason I say that is without Holy Spirit, you cannot be spiritual because it takes the Holy Spirit to discern the things of God. And you might ask, where do I come to that conclusion? Well, one of the places you can find is in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Read the whole Read the whole chapter, and you'll see what I'm talking about. The things of the Spirit require Holy Spirit to bring discernment. That's all I'm saying. So, one of the reasons that we did come to him, by the way, and this is actually kind of Christianity 101. We came to him because he drew himself, drew us to himself, right? That's And one of the things... One of the things that took place in relation to that drawing was that he convicted us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And this is actually one of the jaws of Holy Spirit. In John 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus said, And he, speaking of Holy Spirit, when he comes will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. 
So, yeah, as per the previous question, more than likely one of the elements of us coming to him was self-preservation. We were convicted of our sin. We were convicted of the righteousness of God. And we were convinced of the judgment to come. But smile. Please smile. And here's why I say that. Our coming to him, your coming to God, was not your idea. It was his to begin with. Why? Simply because he loves you. It's in John 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave the right to become children of God. Even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, now listen to this, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. So, The reason that you received Jesus Christ is because it was God's will that you did. If it wasn't his will for you to have Jesus, you'd have never had him. I mean, I'm stating the obvious. So smile. You know, the reason you came to him is because he drew you to himself out of love. So the reason we did what we did in relation to all that was because God introduced himself to us. We love him because he first loved us. It wasn't the other way around. And, you know, here's something that I was thinking about earlier today. You know, it's like the word says, the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. But have you ever thought about it this way, that it's also our greatest privilege or our greatest honor? And that is simply because we love him because he first loved us. It wasn't because we loved him first. And for you that struggle with the love of God, if you love him, that is a sign that he does love you. Absolutely, he does. So now that you're in a relationship with him, let's ask a what question before we ask any more why questions. And that is, what does your relationship with God look like right now? Because the type of relationship you have with him will actually help answer some of these why questions. You know, just as I said earlier, the question is, why did you repent? So now that you're in a relationship with him, have your motives changed since that time? Since the first time you repented or first time you turned to the Lord, have your motives changed since then? So if you were to have to repent now of anything, why would you repent? Is it Fear or is it love? You know, in other words, would it be from the standpoint of losing things, including the loss of a reward, for example? Maybe it's the fear of facing the judgment to come. Because we all, by the way, saved or unsaved, are going to have to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. We all are going to stand and give an account. You know, and that, and again, that's both for sinner and for those that are saved. We just, you know, for those that have already come to Jesus and salvation isn't the issue so much, but it has more to do with, you know, how he's going to reward us according to our works. You know, not works that, by the way, Christianity 101, not works that gained us any sort of favor with God, in other words, because we know, again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. But in verse 10, it says, But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
you know so the works is the result of the conversion or the result of our relationship with him you know or perhaps there was some sort of fear of reprisal you know or discipline <laughs> or perhaps it was just because of love in other words it's a case where Repentance was the result of sorrow that would come from the thought of hurting God, you know, hurting Abba, hurting Daddy, hurting Jesus, hurting Holy Spirit. You know, the thought of hurting Him is the reason why now we become sorrowful, more so than it is self-preservation. See, it's more relational now. You know, and by the way, the fear of the Lord is a very healthy thing. But being simply afraid is something different. In other words, if you wrestle with unhealthy fear, you need to connect with his love. You need to connect with his love. You know, study about his love if you're unsure about his love. And let's let's jump into this verse of Scripture. This will help if that is the case. 1 John 4, verse 17 through 19. By this, love is perfected in us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Now, let's go into a different segment of questions. Here's one. And this is kind of a meddlesome question, I'm not going to lie. But that's not the intent. And it is simply... Why do you ask God for things? Why do you ask him for things? And here's one of the reasons I ask the question, is God enough? I mean, do you require things to be satisfied? Are you content? Are we content with the things that we have, right? It's not that he doesn't want us to ask him for things. Otherwise, he wouldn't encourage us to do that. We are encouraged to ask. However, what motivates us is important, right? What is the reason behind the asking? Because that really does make a difference in whether we see some of the, these things we ask for coming our way, right? Because we know if we, we pray, for example, and ask things according to His will, you know, He answers that. He gives us our, our request, you know. And not always, I guess I should probably qualify that to a degree. Sometimes it's not in the way we think it should be. But he will answer in a way that is best for us, right? But, you know, study what the Word says again about how he views our motivation, what's behind what we pray about, what we ask for. You know, but so let's bring it down a little bit closer. The word ask, by the way, when, the, when Jesus said ask God or ask the Father, that word is, means this way. It means to ask as an inferior requesting something from a superior to fulfill the, the mission, so to speak. So it's just a subordinate thing. When we ask, it's a subordinate thing. So we don't have a place where we demand things. You know, it's not an entitlement system. But at the same time, because of our relationship with him, we should have confidence in our prayer at the same time. So balance that out just a little bit. But do we, for example, ask to receive to fulfill the mission for the sake of the mission? For example, back in, back in the Old Testament, and I think it's around Exodus, maybe Deuteronomy, I'm not sure the exact verse, you know, this is just coming to mind now. It says, you know, you know don't forget that I gave you, you know, this is God speaking, it says, 
I gave you the power to get wealth so that you could fulfill the covenant. So he gave us the ability to do things as part of the covenant relationship with us. I mean, do we ask for a blessing from God in order to make ourselves a blessing to others? In other words, are we asking for a blessing so that we can bless more effectively? It's kind of like what he told Abraham back in the day. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations and to the generations to come. And one of the, real, one of the reasons we're having this conversation is the fact that Abraham was that blessing and is that blessing. If you're asking for things to fill a void, there's an issue. No condemnation here, just a point of clarity. And I'm not going to dive into what those issues might possibly be. But if there's a void, chances are there's some sort of disconnect between you and God or there's something going on in your life and you're trying to fill what's going on. So just pray about that. If, if that's you, if you're trying to, if you find yourself asking for things to fill a void, then ask the Lord for wisdom as to what's going on. And this leads to one more question, why? Why do you do what you do? It's the dreaded altruistic question. In other words, the reason for which we do things will greatly impact our joy. For instance, how much joy do you have when you feel like you're being manipulated? Or how much joy do you feel like you have when you're doing things from the standpoint of compulsion? And then how about this one? How much joy do you feel when you're doing things to feel appreciated? How joyful are you when the thank you doesn't come, right? So when we do things out of love, our joy abounds. Okay, joy takes, uh, love takes joy in the recipient for the recipient's sake alone. In other words, when we do things out of love, we're doing it strictly to benefit someone else. It's, there's no strings attached to it. It's just like obedience seeks to please God out of love, which is another reason why we experience so much joy when we serve as his children. And think about that, you know. Sometimes we think I'm a servant of Christ, and that's awesome, you know, to be a bond slave, if you will, of Jesus. But we're also his friend, and we're also his children. We're also God's children. And if we were to do it from the standpoint of his children serving him well, faithfully, just think of the joy that's attached to that. But at whatever position you feel like you're operating from, when you do things out of love, you're going to find your obedience going through the roof, or your joy, rather, going through the roof. Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. And that's John 15, verses 10 through 12. And so those are the dreaded why questions. And hopefully in the midst of that, it just kind of helps, has helped you or helped us all, help me get in touch with what's going on. So what about this basic doctrine stuff? As per Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 3, actually. 1, 2, and 3. So, therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of instruction about washings or baptisms, and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this will we and this we will do if God permits. Okay, so the basic doctrine of Christ, the, or the basic beginning principles of the doctrine of Christ are this repentance from dead works, doctrine of baptisms, laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So these are actually beginning principles of Christianity 101. So we're going to do some deep diving into some of these things, and hopefully we can bring some more clarity in your walk, in my walk, and we'll just grow together, right? So until then, be blessed, my friend.